Hi, this is Pastor Matt, and I want to welcome you to our Blue Oaks Church podcast. At the end of this episode, feel free to download our Blue Oaks Church app, where you'll be able to access resources, events, and ways to get connected at Blue Oaks and in the community. The app is the easiest way to share this content with a friend, and it's the easiest way to keep up with everything going on around Blue Oaks. Most importantly, though, I just hope that you enjoy this episode and it inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. Serving at Blue Oaks Church has been a wonderful experience for me. I've served in a variety of ways, and I think some of that variety is what makes it special. Variety in the things I I do and the people I get to work with. Uh, Some of you have probably seen me as the greeter at the door. And that's, a, that's probably my favorite thing to do. Uh, to say hello and good morning to people with a smile and get a smile back is, is a pretty cool experience. But I've done uh, most everything in terms of volunteering. And when I think back to the first time I volunteered, that's probably about 10 years ago. I, um, I, was not a, a, I was baptized as a young boy, but I wasn't a lifetime active in the church kind of guy until about 2006. Uh, both my parents passed away in a three-year period at that time, and I literally felt pulled into the church. Um, it was a bit of a surprise to my family at the time, but uh, three years later, we were all baptized as a group. About that time, I decided I wanted to give some time to the church. And I wanted to volunteer in some way, but I wasn't really sure how to do it or how I would fit in or if that really made sense. Um, but I think all of us have some experience knowing the difference between giving our time and giving our money to a cause that is important. And I felt to advance my faith in Christ, I wanted to give my time. I think time is is probably the most precious gift we can give to anything that we care about. And so I wanted to give my time to, to the church in some way. And so I, I, I checked into various ways to go about it. But, you know, again, not being a lifetime Christian, I'm not a educated in the Bible, scripture. I'm not a, a prayer warrior. So I didn't, you know, compared to others with those gifts. So I didn't really know how to go about it. I'm at my core. I'm a business guy, the business leader. And I found an opportunity to contribute that experience. And once I did, I realized, I had a moment where I realized it was essentially what I call convergence, which is the intersection of your talents or gifts from God with passion and purpose. And if you can find that place, it's like the the place of ultimate joy and fulfillment, really hitting it on all cylinders. And once I I contributed in that way, I got to see behind the scenes at the church. And I realized that people with business skills and experience are really valued within the church. And and in some respects, it's not as common a skill set to be behind the scenes. Yet, as we know, the church is... The body of Christ is made up of a lot of people with a lot of gifts and talent, and it's that combination that makes things work best. And the collaboration and the teamwork behind the scene really benefits from having different types of experience working together. When you do that, you really find joy and fulfillment in the act of serving itself. When times are challenging, like they've been for all of us in the past year or more, uh, it's really uh, been a special joy for me to have the opportunity to to find a way to, to contribute to the church and find fulfillment and joy uh, in ways that are much different than what we experience throughout the week. Uh, I just love the act of serving, and I hope you give it a try too. Hi, if we haven't met yet, my name is Matt Van Cleve. I'm one of the pastors at Blue Oaks Church. Uh, my wife and I have three kids. Our oldest daughter is 15. Our 
middle daughter is 11 and our son is 10. And I've been thinking this week, I'm not getting a whole lot out of this parenting deal. I mean, from the beginning, the flow of resources has been only one way. Uh, from the delivery process with our firstborn, uh, which was extremely difficult. Of course, of course, Kathy played a key role in it, but I was coaching the whole way through. It was exhausting. Uh, to the long, difficult adoption process for both of our younger children, I mean, we have invested a ton of time and energy and emotion, and they just keep taking and taking and taking. Uh, housing, food, clothing, education, sports, I asked a friend who's an empty nester, do the flow of resources turn around? He said, we get a card or a present every once in a while, but overall the financial return on investment has been quite low. I've been married since 1996. I'm not sure I'm getting the bigger piece of that pie either. I mean, sometimes I empty the dishwasher or I do a load of laundry for no reason at all. Uh, she doesn't write me a thank you note or call my mom to tell her what I've done or anything. <laughs> You're a smart person. If I were to talk this way for real, you would tell me I was missing the point about the way family life actually works. Family will always frustrate you if you approach it as a consumer who's trying to get something back from it. Well, this is fundamentally true about the church, the family of God as well. The church will always frustrate you if you approach it as a consumer who is trying to get something back from it. The Apostle Paul, arguably the greatest Christian of all time, mostly started his letters to the churches with the same description of himself. Do you know how Paul described himself? What, what did Paul see as his fundamental identity? He would say, I, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ. Paul says, to know who I am, for you to understand who I am, I'll give you my name, and I'll give you my fundamental identity as a human being on this planet. I am a servant of Jesus Christ. That's who I am. Now, this crazy thing has crept into the church called consumerism. And here's how it plays out. Uh, someone moves to a community. They go to church uh, somewhere. They kind of go church shopping. Uh, they attend a church here for a few weeks. They attend a church there for a few weeks. Uh, they want to find out who has the best youth programs or who has the best music programs or who has the best this, who has the best that. Uh, then they attend uh, either online or in a physical building. Uh, and they sit back and they kind of cross their arms over their chest and they say, thrill me. I mean, just thrill me. Fill me up. Feed me. Bless me. And they fundamentally see themselves as recipients, as consumers. This is completely backwards. The Apostle Paul would go to a church where God would lead him and he would say, you know, if Paul was alive today, he would go to a church that God led him to and he would say, I'm a servant reporting for duty. Give me a job to do. Show me where the heavy end of the log is and I'll carry it. I'll carry it joyfully. I'll carry it consistently because this is fundamentally who I am. We as a church are supposed to be a community of servants, 
so aware on a regular basis of the grace that has come our way that we can't see ourselves in any other light than in the light that Jesus manifested when he put a towel over his arm and took a bucket of water and washed his disciples' feet. And he said, you are to do this as well. Be this way. By the way, when Jesus washed his disciples' feet, he got his hands dirty. And he told us we're to get our hands dirty too. You like what I did there? And that's the title of this series. So I want to talk for the rest of our time today about why you should get your hands dirty in the church. Why you should serve in the church. And the first thing I want to say is you should get your hands dirty because God created you to serve. Not to be served, but to serve. Paul said, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. You were made by God to do good works, not to accumulate good things. We're often encouraged in our day to have a bucket list of uh, usually very expensive trips or very exotic experiences before we kick the bucket. It's kind of interesting The Oxford English Dictionary says that most likely bucket in this phrase, kick the bucket, refers to the beam a pig would be hung from by its feet when it was being slaughtered. So kicking the bucket was a pig's death throes. You are not a pig. If you are a follower of Jesus, you are not a bucket kicker. We have it on authority from Jesus himself. Whoever obeys my word will not taste death. Death will not be the end of your existence or experience, but the beginning of it. I mean, that's what we believe. And the real list that matters is not the trips that you take or the places you visit. It's the service you offer and the lives you touch for God. God made you specifically to be able to do that in a unique way by gifting you through the Holy Spirit. Then... God called you to serve. This is from 1 Peter. But you are the ones chosen by God, chosen for the high calling of priestly work, chosen to be a holy people, God's instruments to do his work. This idea of priestly work is very important. In the ancient world, priests were not much like clergymen in our day. Among other things, there was no separation of church and state, so great leaders of state and people of great power were also priests. Julius Caesar was not just Caesar. Uh, one of his titles was Pontifex Maximus, the most high priest. Uh, it was a, a title of transcendent dignity and majesty. There was in Israel, as elsewhere in the ancient world, kind of a, a two-track system. Uh, there was the regular people and there was a priest. Uh, there was a holy place where only priests could go. Uh, there were prayers that only priests could say. There were sacrifices only a priest could offer. There were clothes only a priest could wear. There, were, uh, there was a forgiveness only a priest could pronounce. And then Jesus comes along and Jesus changes everything. Jesus gave himself as the ultimate sacrifice on the cross for our forgiveness. What priests had been pointing toward all along Jesus ultimately and finally did. And you might think that that would mean the end of the priesthood, but it was actually the exact opposite. It meant that now in Jesus's community, everyone who follows Jesus is a priest. This became known uh, through the reformer Martin Luther 
as the priesthood of all believers. Peter said, You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. He said, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. In other words, uh, no more two-tiered system, no more being divided up into professionals and amateurs, the priests and the non-priests. You know, the term minister was never actually used in the early church for a group of special leaders. It came from a word that was used for just waiting on tables or serving. Everyone was a minister. No one in the bleachers, everyone in the game getting their hands dirty. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, then the Holy Spirit of God is in your life and the Holy Spirit has given you spiritual gifts and they're to be used. Sometimes people go to their grave and they never use the greatest gift God has given them. And that's unfortunate. All right, in a moment, we're going to talk more about why we need to be getting our hands dirty in the church by serving. Maybe you've never considered yourself a minister, or the idea of a priest has a whole other meaning for you. But as Matt just shared, there are no longer professionals and amateurs. We're Jesus followers, a royal priesthood. Over the next five weeks, we'll be looking at how God has given each of us, you and me, a spiritual gift to serve, to be a minister in and for the church. It's why the writers of scripture describe the church as a community of servants. One of the values Blue Oaks was founded on is to serve according to your giftedness. We believe your greatest effectiveness and satisfaction are when you're in the sweet spot of your spiritual gift. Now, that might intersect with your normal everyday vocation and interests, or it may be something totally different. We'd love to come alongside you to discover your spiritual gifts and or help you find where your gift can best be used, wherever you may be watching from. A simple next step you can take is to go to blueoakschurch.org and click the latest news, then scroll down and click the serve button. Or simply text SERVE to 925-275-5520 and follow the link you'll receive. Well, let's rejoin Matt and find out more reasons why we should get our hands dirty. All right, let me give you another reason why you need to get your hands dirty in the church. Because God gifted you to serve. The Apostle Paul wrote, To each person, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. And here's God's plan. This is the beauty of the church. The church was planned by God to be led by people who have spiritual gifts of leadership, to be shepherded by people who have spiritual gifts of shepherding, to be taught by people who have spiritual gifts of teaching, to be hosted by people who have spiritual gifts of hospitality, and so on and so on and so on. Uh, this is not optional. There is no plan B based on credentials or human-made traditions. God's plan for his church is that it should be organized and operated according to spiritual gifts. And for any church to fail to do this is to defy the Holy Spirit and to deny the authority of the scripture. For a long time in the church, 
this is just what people did. And they had never seen anything like this. I mean, they were so excited, they couldn't even believe it. I mean, everyone, free, slave, rich, poor, male, female, said, I have a role to play. I have a gift to bring. I have a dream to pursue. Everyone was a priest. But here's what happens. Over time, the church will sometimes begin to slip back into that two-track system. Uh, and this would ebb and flow over the centuries. When I was growing up, often the common idea in my tradition was a bunch of people might get together to form a church and they might say, we'll hire a minister. They would use that kind of language. What would the minister do? Uh, well, he, and it was always a he in that day, uh, would do the ministry. He would actually enter the ministry. His job would be to study the Bible and preach the word and visit the shut-ins and pray for the sick and lead the board and arrange the service and shepherd the flock and print the bulletins and recruit the volunteers and marry, bury, comfort, counsel, uh, console, master theology, exegesis, homiletics, leadership, administration, finance, management, worship arts, and nursery recruitment. I mean, I've seen job descriptions for pastors that Jesus could not do. Now, what would everyone else in the church do? They would watch the minister do the ministry. That's not God's plan for his church. Everyone who follows Jesus has been given a spiritual gift. That means you have a spiritual gift to contribute, and so do I. The best way to find out what your spiritual gift is to actually start serving and see how effectively God uses you. It might be kind of a, a trial and error thing. Okay, now let me pause here and kind of pull back the curtain and say something about paid staff members at local churches. Uh, it doesn't happen at Blue Oaks very much, but I'll tell you, it happens a lot in churches. The great temptation of paid staff members in local churches is to use people in the congregation because you see staff members are under a lot of pressure. There are tasks to be done and services to be put on and deadlines to be met. Uh, there are positions to be filled. Uh, there is an enormous amount of work that depends on the shoulders and the hands of volunteers. It just becomes one of those consistent temptations of paid staff members to take a warm volunteer and put a square peg in a round hole. Not to mess with asking, you know, what's your spiritual gift? How did God wire you up? but rather just to kind of uh, lay hold of a volunteer and say, serve here. Don't complain, show commitment, stay faithful. The writers of scripture say, wait, 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 time out. You know, when a freshly recruited volunteer steps forward into uh, ministry or onto the playing field, the very first thing paid staff members are, to, are supposed to do, and this is kind of the general paradigm of the New Testament, is to help people understand, discover, and serve according to their spiritual gift. It really is the duty of every pastor to make sure that every volunteer in the church knows their spiritual gift. Then it's the duty of every believer in a local church to step out of the shadow and take responsibility for the identification and deployment of their spiritual gift. And God will hold both groups accountable. You know, one of the scariest verses in the New Testament to me is Hebrews 13, 17, where the writer of scripture says, leaders of local churches will stand and give an account to God someday for how they led their church. I live with the weight of that every day. 
I have to stand before God someday and give an answer to the question, did I really do everything in my power to help everyone at Blue Oaks understand their spiritual gift and put it into play? But every individual of a local church has to stand accountable before God individually someday. And they have to respond to the statement, to whom much is given, much is required. Uh, You've been given a phenomenal thing called a spiritual gift, and you have a divine capability. God gave that to you. He took a lot of time. He took a lot of energy and effort to put that right into the basic wiring system of your DNA. And he wants you to discover that gift and deploy it in the church for the common good, for the glory of God. And when this happens, when people are aligned with their spiritual gifts, when servants are aligned with their spiritual gifts and everyone in the church works together on this, man, watch out. When churches are being led by people with leadership gifts and taught by people with teaching gifts and shepherded by people with shepherding gifts and administered by people with administration gifts, watch out. You will stand before God someday and respond to the statement, to whom much is given, much is required. One of the fundamental ways God expects you to be useful in the kingdom of God is for you to know your gift and for you to use it with all of your heart. All right, the next point I want to make is this. God changes you when you serve. Paul wrote to the church at Philippi that had a lot to learn about this. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Uh, Philippi was a Roman colony. It was a place where status was a really big deal and power was a really big deal. And Paul says to them, rather in humility, value others above yourselves. Humility is one of those qualities of the spirit, one of those virtues virtues that you can't acquire by uh, the application of willpower. You know, today I will be humble. Look at me being humble. Humility comes as a byproduct of surrender and servanthood. A woman named Indra Nui was born into a setting that tended to discourage women from realizing their potential. So every night at dinner, her mom had Indra and her sister write a speech like they were running to be some uh, particular world leader, like a president or prime minister or something. And their mom would tell them who she would vote for based on what they wrote and have that daughter sign a piece of paper saying that she would be the world leader for a day. Indra grew up believing that she could do great things, and she did. One day she was voted president of the Pepsi company, and today she's consistently ranked among the world's 100 most powerful women. As it happens, her mom was visiting from India when she was voted president of Pepsi, and when Indra got home that day, she said, Mom, I have great news. And her, her mom's response was, your news can wait. The house is out of milk. Please go get some. Indra said, why don't you ask Raj, her husband? And her mom said, I'm not his mother. I'm yours. Plus, he looks tired. Indra went out and she got the milk, but she came home fuming. Well, I hope you're happy, Mom. My news was I was named president of Pepsi today. That's what I was going to tell you, but oh no, you needed someone to go get the milk. It's so interesting. She tells this story about herself and her own development. Her mom said to her, when you come home, you're a mother, a wife, and a daughter, just like your husband is a father, a husband, and a son. No one else here can take your place. When you come home, leave your crown in the garage. (laughs) I love that. We all need to hear that. When you come home, 
leave your crown in the garage. Paul says to that little church at Philippi, Jesus did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. He left his crown in the garage. He became a servant. He got the milk. When you serve, God changes you. And qualities like love and humility and compassion and other-centeredness, they start to grow in you. Another point I want to make is this. God uses you when you serve. Paul says the church is actually the body or the, the presence of Christ on this earth. What this means is we all need each other. Paul says that, uh, the, that we are a body as a unit. And the eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. Paul goes on to talk about how deep the implication of this is. If one part of the body suffers, every part suffers with it. I've never heard someone say, I have a terrible headache today, but my back feels terrific. The body doesn't work that way. The body is a unit. If the foot is not working, you may have great eyesight, but you're not going anywhere. I heard one of our volunteers describe himself as an elbow in the body of Christ. He said, I love to nudge people to get involved. It's kind of fun to think about what part of the body you are. You might be the mouth or the, the ears. You listen really well or the spine. You have great courage or the heart or uh, the hands and the feet in the body of Christ. I'll tell you what you're not. What do you call an organism that lives off the body, that takes nourishment from the body but doesn't contribute to the body? It's a parasite. No one wants to be a parasite. Paul never calls anyone that. We are the body of Christ, and there are no useless body parts. There are no body parts or uh, no persons who are not needed. When people with gifts of help aren't helping, and those with gifts of encouragement aren't encouraging, when shepherds don't shepherd, or prayers don't pray, or singers don't sing, or greeters don't greet, or people with hospitality don't hospitalize, <laughs> Uh, then the church doesn't work right. One of the great reflections on this is from a tremendous Christian thinker and servant, uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Uh, he wrote in a wonderful little bit called Life Together. Thus, it is good, a good idea for all members to receive a definite task to perform for the community so that they may know in times of doubt that they too are not useless and incapable of doing anything. All right, the last point I want to make about serving is this. God will reward your serving. If you ever get tired, these words from Paul are for you. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. You probably never do this, but sometimes I'll do an act of service uh, then I'm afraid I might not, uh, you know, have gotten noticed. And so I'll feel like I need to point it out. You know, I emptied the dishwasher. You know, no one even asked. We weren't even out of dishes. I just did it. Uh, there is nothing that you do that God does not see. There is no service you offer that God does not prize. There is no love you give that doesn't get built into the person you're becoming and the world God is redeeming. Nothing good is ever lost. 
no matter what people on earth see or don't see, applaud or don't applaud, the harvest is coming. And what that means is your servanthood will be a part of God's pleasure and divine delight. So let's do this, all right? Let's do this starting this week. Let's be doers of the word and not just hearers and actually apply this. Why? Because God created you to serve. God called you to serve. God gifted you to serve. God changes you when you serve. God uses you when you serve. And God rewards you when you serve. Do you want to guess what the application of this message is? Serve. Find your spot in the body of Christ. Uh, No one in the bleachers. Everyone on the field. Everyone getting your hands dirty. I want to tell you, if you follow Jesus, if you have received his forgiveness for your sins because he died on the cross for you, if you've asked for his grace in your life, if you've been given a spiritual gift by the Holy Spirit, if you are a part of God's forever family, and if you have a hope beyond death, don't go to your grave with your greatest gift unopened. Go get the milk. Leave your crown in the garage. God made you to serve. And God's family needs you to serve. And you need you to serve. Jesus told us what his plan was for his family a long time ago. If you would be great, be a servant. So go be great. Let me pray for you and then Michaela and the team will lead us in a closing song. God, I ask that you would help us this week to consider what spiritual gift you've given us and how we can deploy that in the church. And God, I pray that as we discover these gifts and as we start serving, that you would uh, fill us with more of your spirit. Help us to overflow uh, as we're doing what you've created us to do. And I pray that it would bring great joy and meaning and fulfillment to us, but it would also expand your kingdom through your church. God, thank you that you've given us gifts. Thanks that there's no plan B. I pray that we would all step up and participate and figure out where we are in the body of Christ so that this body, Blue Oaks Church, functions properly. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, once again, thanks for listening. We hope you found something in this week's message to take away and apply to your life this week. Uh, If you live in the Bay Area, we would love to have you join us for one of our weekend services. Uh, For directions or information about what we have for you or your family, your students, you can go to blueoaks.church or download the app today. Uh, And we hope to see you on Sunday soon.